So the menorah was essentially a candelabra that was made of pure gold and it was placed in the Mishkan. It was later placed in the temple in Jerusalem. It was placed inside the building of the Mishkan, later inside the building of the temple. The menorah in the temple was this candelabra with seven branches that had cups at the top or lamps at the top that would be filled with olive oil and wicks placed inside. And every afternoon, every afternoon the menorah would be lit and it would burn all night. They were very large lamps. They would burn all night. And then in the morning, the lamps would be cleaned so that they could be lit the next afternoon. Now, the menorah had a very distinct shape. It had seven branches, all standing um, in a row and all reaching the same height. So it had a very, very distinct shape. And the menorah over time became the most important symbol of Judaism and the Jewish people. And throughout history, the menorah has always been the symbol of Judaism and the Jewish people. Now, the menorah took on special importance when after the Greek um, rule over Israel and after they banned um, Jewish practice in the days of the Syrian Greek king Antiochus, and after the Chashmonaim, led by Judah Maccabee, um, after they drove the Greeks out of Israel and rededicated the temple, they lit the menorah. They didn't have enough oil for it to light. One day, miraculously, it lit eight days. And because of that, we celebrate Hanukkah, which celebrates the lighting of the menorah. And because of that, we have Hanukkah menorahs, which, unlike the original menorah that had seven branches, Hanukkah menorahs have eight branches um, because there are eight branches for uh, the eight nights of Hanukkah so that every night we can add another one. And it actually has a ninth in order that we can have the shamash, a service candle that we could use to light the other candles. But that is not the original menorah. The original menorah in the temple had seven branches. And yes, there is a menorah right behind me with seven Branches, very good. Like the branch, like the menorah in the temple itself, very good. So, so the original menorah is extremely detailed, and it's described in very, very great detail in the Torah twice. Once in the portion of Tetzav in the book of Exodus, and again in the portion of Vayakhel in the book of Exodus, almost word for word, although some slight variations from one description to the other. The lighting of the menorah is also described in Parsha Tetzave, as well as described in this week's Parsha, the details of the lighting of the menorah and some detail of how it was made. Despite its detailed description in the Torah and later additional details that we have in our oral tradition mentioned in the Midrashim and in the Talmud, in a, uh, despite all that, there is still some debate about exactly what the menorah looked like, what the original menorah looked like. Now, interestingly, because the menorah was historically the most important symbol in Judaism, or at least the most drawn um, uh, symbol of Judaism, we have many, many descriptions or 
pictures of menorahs. Many ancient coins that we have from Second Temple period, and we have many ancient coins from Second Temple period, from the Hasmonean period, from later Herodian period, even from the period when they, um, during the war against the Romans, when they declared independence for a brief, about two or three years, uh, for that period, um, even from a later period in the Barcoziva times, when they declared independence for a couple years. We have many coins. Many of the Jewish coins historically had a menorah on them. Just as modern Israeli ten agarot, the 10 cent coin in Israel today has a menorah on it. In addition, many um, old um, sites, holy sites, or sites of synagogues or the like um, in ancient Israel or in other places in the Middle East and in Europe um, have menorahs, some of them very, very old. Some pictures of menorahs that go back to the period of the temple that were drawn. We found a couple years ago, a little over a decade ago, they found a bima in a synagogue in Beit Shan that they dug out. Um, this is about 10 years ago. And um, this bima has a depiction of a menorah on it. Um, it's a stone bima. That's why it doesn't go anywhere, right? It's a stone bima, and um, it has a it has very beautiful, um, beautiful engraving all around on all sides. And on one side is a beautiful picture of a menorah. So there are many, many depictions of menorahs throughout our history so, uh, that we found. Uh, perhaps, though, the most notable image of the menorah is found on Titus's arch, or the arch of Titus which is an arch that was built in Rome about a decade after the destruction of the Second Temple to commemorate the fall of Jerusalem. So they built this big arch. It's one of the few Roman, ancient Roman monuments that are still standing today in Rome. And Titus's arch still stands today. And in that arch in Rome, and in, Titus, in the Arch of Titus, there is a depiction of Jewish prisoners um, being brought back to Rome carrying a menorah. This is a very visible picture of a um, menorah. Now, unfortunately, although we have dozens of different ancient pictures of menorahs, there are many major differences between the various images we have. They don't all look the same. Each image we have looks quite different. Some of that might have been because the, some artists were better than others. Um, it's hard to know whether the artists even intended to make a copy of the original, or maybe they were looking to make something similar, but add their own artistic flair to it. Not necessarily were they even intending the artists that carved out, the ones that survived are either clay or stone, that was car carved stone. The, it's unclear if they carved it or they made it from clay, they shaped it, from molded it from clay. It could be that the artists that made it wanted to make their own artistic image, didn't have to necessarily be a picture of the image. The truth is that it's very possible that many of the artists that drew the menorah that made, whether carved out shapes of the menorah, may have never even seen the original menorah. They may have seen, firstly, if they were after the temple was destroyed, they certainly 
did not see the original menorah. We don't know. We'll soon talk about what happened to it. Um, and um, they probably didn't see the original menorah. Even the ones that were drawn when the temple stood, the te menorah itself stood inside the building of the temple. Only Kohanim went into the building of the temple. Regular Jews never went inside. So most Jews would have never seen the original menorah or known what the original menorah actually looked like. So anyway, so there are many... Uh, we also know that during the temple period there were many replicas of the menorah that were made, both in the temple itself that adorned the temple in various places, as well as in other spots they made replicas of the menorah. Now, the, the, we assume that the replicas that they made of the menorah during temple time were not accurate copies of the original. And that's because the Torah forbids us, Jewish law forbids us from making a replica of any item in the temple. Because the items in the temple are meant to be used only in the temple for God. We're not allowed to make a replica for use outside the temple. So whenever Jews made replicas of menorahs, they would make five-branched menorahs. There's a lot of five-branched menorahs we have pictures of. Nine-branched menorahs, like our Hanukkah menorah, to make it inaccurate. Right? So we know, and even if they were seven-branched, there may have been other inaccuracies not to make it a perfect replica because a replica of the menorah is not allowed to be made for private use. So chances are that the menorahs that, other pe that people would see around Israel during the days of the temple or after the destruction of the temple were actually purposely made inaccurate replicas. So all of this... Although we have many pictures of what the menorah looked like, some of them dating back to the temple period, they all look very different. And knowing that chances are, well, first, we don't know if they tried to make a perfect picture of the menorah. Chances are the artist never even saw a perfect picture. And there were replicas that were inaccurate replicas during the temple period, all make it extremely hard for us today to be able to figure out what the menorah actually looked like looking at pictures that we have from then. Yes, Susan? Um, how, how big was the original menorah? That's an excellent question. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Any other questions? Yes, Don? So we're not to make any replicas of the menorah. Today we don't make seven branch menorahs, period. But, well, you've got one right well there. that can be lit. That's just a... It's what? We draw seven branch menorahs. We don't make actual menorahs of seven so branches. So call it a replica, is it actually a functioning replica? Functioning replica. a piece of artwork? Functioning replicas. And, but they couldn't be used in the temples. Right. A piece of artwork is not used, right? A piece of artwork is not used. This is a piece of artwork, the one behind me. I agree. But those, those who made replicas that were functioning, they were taken to synagogues and used inside the synagogue. Chances are they were. 
Chances are they were. Many synagogues historically had five branch menorahs in the front. Five branch, not seven. Not seven, to make it inaccurate. Say again? To make it inaccurate. That's why it's Purposely made inaccurate. So what exactly did the menorah look like? So here's how the Torah describes it. As we mentioned, the Torah gives us very detailed description. The menorah sat on a large base. It says that in this week's reading, it sat on a large base. That the base itself sat on three legs. So the base itself didn't sit straight on the ground, but there were three small legs under the base um, that held it, put it on, that made it on the ground. Um, Together, the legs and the base were three tefachim. A tefach is a fist. A fist is thought to be about three inches. So nine inches from the ground is three small legs with a base. What shape was the base? We're not certain. Rashi tells us it was a box. Maybe that means square. We don't know. Others suggest that maybe it was triangular because there were three legs according to our tradition. The Torah doesn't mention three legs, but according to our tradition, there were three legs. So maybe triangular. Maimonides thought it was circular. It was a round um, base. But anyway, it sat on this larger base that that way held it from tipping over, from falling. Um, in Titus's arch, the menorah that we have in Titus's arch has a two-step base kind of a larger and then a smaller base that is the shape of a hexagon, six-sided base. Now that base in Titus's arch also has intricate designs inside the base. This is all in the picture, two-dimensional picture that's engraved into the arch. It has, on the base, it has designs of um, eagles, of birds, um, which Presumably, there weren't birds, as far as we know, in the base of the menorah. We don't know of there being birds there. So, chances are that, and for many other reasons, it's highly likely that the menorah in Titus's arch is inaccurate. Um, it's extremely likely that the base, as depicted in Titus's arch, is inaccurate. Chances are the artist who drew it, we don't even know if they were Jewish or they were Roman. We also don't know if um, they had access to the original or not. So, or that, or that they even saw the original. And as we've mentioned, there were many replicas of menorah, the original menorah, around in the temple itself and around Israel at the time. So it would be hard after the destruction for somebody to even be certain which one was the original unless they knew exactly what the original was supposed to look like. That, of course, was pure gold. So anyway, we don't know if Titus's arch is accurate or not, but it is a hexagon base over there. Above the base is a stem, center stem called the center of the menorah that rises 45 inches above the base. The entire menorah is 54 inches tall. So it's pretty, it's almost chest height, it's pretty tall. Um, and so there's this center stem that rises straight up. At the top of the stem is a lamp. And then, as you can see in the menorah right behind me, but there are th three branches coming up from each side, each branch coming out 
from a, sec a different point along the stem. And the branches, therefore, come out um, on the sides to create a row of seven branches, all ending at the same height, six branches and a center. And at the top of each branch was a lamp or a bowl in which they would put olive oil and the wicks. Now, on the menorah, there were multiple knobs, cups, and flowers. There was a flower at the very, very bottom of the center stem of the menorah, right on top of the base. There was also at that bottom center stem, a little bit higher up, there was a knob, which would have looked like a ball around, a golden ball, kind of extending, protruding all around from the stem of the menorah. There were cups. Um, now, the um, cups were cones, we're told. So they were narrow at one end, and they were kind of got wider and wider and wider. So they were essentially cones that were kind of around the stem of the menorah. Um, there is some debate. Most assume that they were like a cup, kind of upright, started narrow at the bottom, and then went wider. Maimonides actually thought it was the other way. They were upside-down cups. So it started narrow and went down, became wider. And then there, were then there was these flowers, knobs, and cups. The flowers were shape of a flower. So there was a flower at the very bottom, flower, knob, and cup a little bit higher up. And then at each point where two branches came out from the center stem, there would be a knob or a big ball and they would come out from that ball, and presumably that ball would also serve as an engineering purpose to hold the branches in place that they don't easily fall off, to make them more secure. And then at the top of each of the seven branches were three cups, a knob, and a flower, all below the bowl at the very top in which the oil sat. So all of this, the whole menorah, I'm going to show you a picture, all of this, the whole menorah with all the nubs, the cups, the flower, the base, everything, was all made from a single piece of gold. The menorah itself weighed a kikar, a talent of gold. The menorah itself weighed a kikar, a talent of gold. How much is a talent? A talent is about 125 pounds of gold. That is a lot, yes. Given today's prices of gold, that would be millions of dollars in gold. Yes, it's a very, very large piece of pure gold, made of pure gold, but it was, it was a big piece. It was 54 inches tall. So it was quite a, it was quite a large piece. Um, and so it would be, um, and so, but it would not be, the normal way you'd make these kind of things is you would have a mold, and you would melt the gold and pour it into a mold. But the Torah says that's not how you're going to make it. The way you make it is get this single piece of gold, warm it up to soften it a little bit, and then you get a hammer and chisel, and you bang the menorah into shape. And this is a skill that nobody today, as far as I know, knows how to do this. But take, sorry? You get a couple bars of gold and melt them together into a single oh, slab. I thought it had to be from one uniform piece. Well, gold starts as nuggets, but then you 
melt them together. But once it starts as a piece of gold, and then it must be banged into shape with all the intricacies of the knobs and the cups and the flowers and the base and the branches all banged and pulled and chiseled into shape. That would have been a very, very, very challenging thing to do, but that's how it was. Um, that was that. That was how it was made. Um, now, God Moses was confused on how the menorah should be made, so the Torah tells us that God showed Moses what it looks like. He still was not able to bang it into shape. So the midrash tells us the Torah doesn't say this, but the midrash says that. God told Moses, you know what, throw it into a fire, threw it into a fire, miraculously it shaped itself. And so he had his menorah. But in later generations, as we'll see, they did make the menorah banged into shape and had that skill and knew how to do it to be able to bang it into shape. Yes, Don, I'm going to show you a picture in a minute. I'm not finished with how the menorah, what the menorah looked like. But okay. go ahead. Just with, with seven No, no, they were all the exact same. So the lighting was done externally. One by one, externally, yes. Thank you. So perhaps the biggest question regarding the menorah that has emerged in recent last couple centuries is whether the branches of the menorah were straight or round. From the sources, the branches of the menorah appear to have been straight and diagonal. That's what it appears from the sources similar to the manure that you see behind me. That description is clear from Rashi. Rashi says that the branches were diagonal. He's a commentator lived a thousand years ago. It appears so from the Midrashim as well. Um, Maimonides actually drew a picture of the menorah that we have. And that picture of the menorah, we still have the original picture, um, and so that picture, that picture drawn by Maimonides also depicts the branches of the menorah to have been straight. Here is actually a picture. This is a copy of the picture that Maimonides drew of the menorah. You can see over here, if you can see it, he has the base, it's hard to see, um, a rounded base at the bottom. Um, there are, there's a little flower here, I don't know if you could see that, an upside down cup, because he believed the cups are upside down, a, um, a um, ball and, uh, or a knob and a, a flower over here. Then he has the branches coming out with balls at the spot the branches come out, three upside down cups and a knob and a flower. So that is, that was the menorah that Maimonides drew. He believed that it was straight. Most archaeological drawings, but not all, most that we found have rounded menorahs. Perhaps most notably, the menorah in Titus's arch has round branches. The menorah in Titus's arch. It does have, it's not clear if it's knobs or flowers. It does have little intricacies that it draws along the branches. Um, it's not clear that it really follows the description in the Torah, but it does have round branches. 
Now, we mentioned earlier that it's likely that those that made the arch didn't see their original menorah. If it made it to Rome, we don't know if it was available to the artists um, who drew it. Um, but definitely the, the menorah in Titus's arch is round. However, the Rebbe and many other um, Jewish scholars felt that we should rely on our very strong Jewish traditions that the menorah was, had straight branches rather than just take images from Titus's arch or from coins that, was, that were found. Some coins have straight branches, some have round branches. So maybe this debate went back very far as to whether it was straight or round. Um, we have no way of knowing even if the, these drawings were meant to be accurate if the artist had seen the actual menorahs. So because of that, you'll see menorahs depicted in different ways. So the, um, there's an organization in Israel called the Temple Institute. The Temple Institute is an organization that has taken upon itself to build the third temple. And so they've built various items for the third temple, including a menorah. Um, and um, they, they, built, they built a golden menorah. And uh, the, it sits in the old city in Jerusalem. Uh, when you go to the old city, it sits in glass, um, sits there in Jerusalem. Um, here is a, they built their menorah based on the menorah, copying the menorah in Titus's arch. That's what they decided to do, rather than following the Jewish traditions. So this is a picture of the menorah that they built, um, where they have the hexagon base, as you can see over here, two-layered hexagon base, similar to, um, similar to um, the way it is in Titus's arch. They built six rounded branches coming out. They built the cups facing upwards. Um, and that's how they built the menorah. Now, to be clear, the menorah that they made was not made out of pure gold. They did use a talent of gold, which is why its branches, is all, it's all pretty thick. Because underneath the gold, they used a thin aluminum base. They had a th aluminum base, and then they put the gold around the base. The original menorah was pure gold. Not only was the original menorah pure gold, so were the cherubs in the temple and a number of other things in the temple were pure gold. We have a big challenge today working with gold. Gold is a very soft metal. Even when cooled, it remains very soft. We don't know today how to harden gold. We, we do know how to harden other metals. We've gotten really, really good at hardening steel and aluminum, and we can make it really, really strong. We build planes and spaceships out of this stuff um, the, uh, and rockets that can really withstand, uh, you know, they become very, very, very strong. We know how to make some metals very strong. We haven't learned or we haven't figured out how to make gold very, very hard, how to harden gold. Um, it's almost certain based on descriptions, we have biblical descriptions that in those days they did have a mechanism for hardening gold. It's not impossible to do. It's just a matter of figuring out how to do it. We don't know how to do it. So for that reason, the people in Temple Institute decided to put an aluminum base because they did not know how to harden gold to make it hard enough to stand, um, to have thin branches standing uh, without collapsing. Um, Moses apparently had a way to do it. 
Here is a model. It's not a very clear. I printed it out, but it's not very high resolution. But here is a model made by a fellow called Dovla Vanuni who worked a lot on temple model stuff based on the Maimonides picture that I showed you before of what the menorah would have looked like with the rounded base. And you can see seven straight branches. Uh, you can see the six straight branches coming out with the upside down cups, knobs, and flower over here as well. So that's probably a more accurate description of what it looked like. Again, it's an issue that remains up for debate as to exactly what it looked like. The big issue of both the cups, which way they were, if they were upside down or straight up. And um, the big issue is whether the branches were straight or rounded. Any questions? The Torah says that they should light, be lit facing the center. And what that means is that at the very top of the menorah were these little lamps or bowls that would be filled with olive oil. They weren't so little. Each lamp held a log of olive oil, which is about um, 13 ounces. So they were fairly large cups. Um, that way they burned the whole night. So then the wick would be placed kind of hanging from the cup. And so the way that you could place the wick on e any side, they would place it towards the center. Any other questions? No, they made it out of a piece of aluminum in the center. And then they put it in a mold, and they made it with a mold because they did not know how to bang it into shape. I don't believe anyone today has that skill. But we say if somebody wants to figure it out, I'm sure it can be done. To figure out how to bang things into shape and to figure out how to harden the gold. I mean, both those things need to be done. They bend all the time, right? Okay. So what happened to the menorah? So the original menorah was made by Moses or Betzalel, who led the building of the temple. Um, or according to the Midrash, it was actually made by God, miraculously. Um, we don't know how long the original menorah lasted. Um, but when it came to the time when the first temple was built, which was 480 years after the Mishkan, the temple in the desert, was built. And the first temple was built by King Solomon in Jerusalem. King Solomon refashioned all of the different items that Moses had made, except for the Ark of the Covenant. The only original item that remained in the first temple from Moses was the Ark of the Covenant. That remained. But all the other items, either they had since been lost, or um, maybe they had them and... King Solomon put them away, but he made new ones. He made a new menorah. King Solomon made a new menorah. Not only did he make one menorah, King Solomon had ten menorahs built. Um, ten identical menorahs all placed inside the temple. Um, 
presumably they lit all 10, the mitzvah is only to light one, but you can light more than one if you wish. Um, and that way also, if something happened to one of them, there were always plenty of spares. They had no shortage of menorahs. Um, presumably, there were, the temple had been sacked multiple times over the te first temple history, um, when Jerusalem was invaded at various times and gold was removed. We don't know if the menorah was removed and they needed to make new ones or not. Presumably, if when the temple was sacked, the menorah would always be the first thing to go because you can't hide it. It's pretty big. It would be hard to hide. And it weighs a talent of gold. You have this pure gold piece, 125 pounds of gold. Who's not going to take it if they could get their hands on it? So um, it was a very valuable piece. So it presumably was taken multiple times and they would have had to make new ones, but we don't know for certain. Definitely when the first temple was destroyed, the menorah was taken and was gone. When it came to the second temple, they had to build a new menorah. So they built a new menorah at the beginning of the second temple. We know that when the Greeks um, banned Jewish practice, an attempt to forcibly Hellenize the Jews in the days of the Syrian Greek king Antiochus. Um, they turned the temple into a temple for Greek idols. And they also took all the valuable stuff in the temple, including the menorah. When the Chashmonaim, um, led by Matisiao, Yehuda Maccabee, when they freed Jerusalem, drove the Greeks out of Israel, they, they refurbished the temple because it had been ruined by the Greeks and they rededicated the temple that we celebrate on Hanukkah. They had to make a new menorah. Now, our sages tell us that that original menorah that they made, the one that had that story, that miracle that burned for eight days, that was an iron menorah. It was not a gold menorah. They were so poor at the time, they had just fought a war. They were so poor at the time, they couldn't afford to build a golden menorah. They didn't have that much gold. So they originally built an iron menorah. That was the original menorah. That was the menorah that the miracle happened in. And the rule is that if you cannot build a gold menorah, if you don't have money for a gold menorah, you could build it out of other metals. It was only later, as they secured the land and as the country became wealthier, they switched it out first for a copper menorah, then for a silver menorah, then eventually they switched it out for a golden menorah. The Romans describe, Josephus describes the golden menorah in his days towards the end of the Second Temple. Um, we have other depictions of the golden menorah at the end of the Second Temple period. The Midrash tells us that when the temple was destroyed, the Romans wanted a Jew, they were very afraid to enter the temple. They were afraid of God. The temple was a very holy place. Remember, many Romans would bring sacrifices to the temple. Um, it was considered a very special. The Romans believed in every God, but they believed in the Jewish God. They were afraid to enter the temple. So they wanted a Jew to enter the temple first. So there was a Jew called Yosef Meshisa who was on the side of the Romans. And they told him, go in to the temple and take out whatever you want. The first thing you take out is yours. So he did. This Yosef Meshisa went into the temple 
and he brought out what's the most valuable thing in the temple, the menorah. He came out with the menorah. is a heavy thing, 125 pounds. It's not a light thing to carry out. But he um, brought out the, took out the menorah. When Titus sees him coming out with the menorah, he said, no. Something, the menorah, that belongs to the emperor. Go back in and take, in, take out something else. He said, no, I already went in once. I'm not going back in. They said, go back in and take out something else. He said, it's enough. I already angered my God once. I'm not going to anger him again. Titus threatened to punish him. He refused to go back in. They tied him to the back of a donkey, it says, and they dragged him over um, spikes and they tortured him to death and he refused to agree to go back in the temple. So the, he brought out at least the original menorah. What Titus did with it, we don't know. Did he take it back to Rome? Maybe it's depicted in the Titus's, in the Arch of Titus. Maybe that's a sign that he brought it back to Rome with him. We don't know. We don't have any clear record other than the picture in the arch that he actually brought it back to Rome. Um, and um, there, as we said, there were probably other menorahs both in the temple and in Jerusalem and in other places in Israel, depictions, maybe even other golden menorahs. They were probably inaccurate copies because it had become the symbol of Jews and the Jewish people. So regardless, if it did end up in Rome, Rome had since been sacked many times um, over the years during the, um, what's called the dark periods um, after the Roman Empire declined, the Western Roman Empire declined, um, before the rise of, um, in, in the meta, um, before the rise of the church and the um, medieval Rome, um, the Rome was sacked many times and uh, most of its treasures are gone. So we don't know where the original menorah is. We haven't seen it, at least the most recent um, one that was in the second temple. We don't know. Maybe it's still in Rome. Unlikely that it's still in, that anything of that value would have survived. So, but over the years, the menorah became the symbol of Judaism and the Jewish people. Going back to temple times, we found coins, with the many coins have the menorah on them, many walls of synagogues, floors of synagogues have the menorah on them. Um, the oldest synagogue that we know of, which is in Beit Shan, which dates back to Second Temple period, was around when the Second Temple was still standing, and we found that bima. The bima has a picture of the menorah, of the menorah on it. Um, one of the oldest still standing. That that synagogues we just have the ruins. One of the the old the one of the oldest or maybe the oldest still standing synagogue is about 1,700 years old in Jericho, and in Jericho, and there's a beautiful floor mosaic that's still there that has a depiction of a menorah on it. Um, so we have many many ancient depictions of menorahs. It was for a very long time and still remains today the symbol of the Jewish people. Today, often Jews are associated with the Star of David. The Star of David was used probably for the last couple hundred years, but only in the last 150 years or so really became a Jewish symbol. Um, but before that, 
the symbol of Judaism has always been the menorah. That's always been the Jewish symbol um, and very much remains so still today, the symbol of the Jewish people. There's a prophecy of Zechariah, Zechariah, that we actually read this week in the Haftorah, that we're going to read after we read the Torah, that speaks about how he saw a menorah, seven-branched menorah with two olive trees, one on either side. And he's then told that this menorah represents the people of Israel, the menorah that he sees. So the menorah is represent, Zechariah's menorah is representative of the people of Israel. That's why often you'll see in depictions of the menorah, including in the, um, in the symbol of the emblem of the state of Israel, you have the menorah with the olive, olive branches on the sides, the olive trees on the sides. Um, that's from Zechariah's description. But it represents the people of Israel. Why the menorah has seven branches. There are many different types of Jews, many different parts to the Jewish people. There are many of us. And yet at the, the top of the menorah is all equal. And we're all part of the same candelabra, all equal together. And so it, while we're all different, we all have different roles to play and we're, we're not all the same, we're all one people and we're all at the top, we're all equal, we're all the same. But perhaps most importantly, the symbol and value of the menorah is the role of the menorah to light up the world. Our sages say that in the temple there were windows. The building of the temple had windows to it, in it. In ancient times, before they had flat glass, that's a fairly new invention. Um, not that new, it's 2,000 years old, but they didn't have it in early temple times. Before they had glass, windows were just open. Right? Or maybe they had a door that opened and closed. Windows were open. Windows were generally made narrow on the outside and then it widened as you came into the room so that the light from outside can spread inside the room. Um, that's the way they had thicker walls and they were kind of made on a slant like that. The windows in the temple the windows in the temple in Jerusalem were made the other way. They were narrow on the inside and wide on the outside, symbolizing that unlike normally windows are made for the light to come in, sunlight to come in, the light in the temple was made, the windows in the temple were made for the light of the menorah to spread outward. Symbolizing our role as a people to light up the world. Our role to improve the world and make the world better, to bring God's Knowledge of God and values to the world around us is often depicted as light. Um, the um, prophet Isaiah speaks of, Kumi ori, get up my light. Ki va'orech, your time to shine has come. And uh, it speaks of, va'hayisa er legoyim, you shall be a light to the nations. Um, uh, and many times we speak of our role as a people to light up the world. As lighting, lighters, we are supposed to light up the world around us, bring light to the world. So the menorah as the, as the candelabra of Judaism has become the symbol of our people, the symbol of lighting up the world around us and that role that the Jewish people play to try to light up the world.